Welcome back to Keeping It PG. I'm so glad that you all have tuned in, and you'll be glad that you tuned in as well to hear from our guest today, Jerry Kathman. Jerry is the current board chair and just recently retired CEO of LPK, which is the largest independent brand design agency in the world with offices in North America, Europe, and Asia. Jerry's recognized within the industry as a leading authority on the role of design in brand building. He's worked with numerous Fortune 500 companies, including some right here in the city of Cincinnati. Uh, he's also appeared and been quoted in outlets like CNN, CNBC, The New York Times, The Wall Street Journal, and Brand Week. It goes on and on. He's lectured around the world, and we are very excited that he's with us today. Jerry, welcome to Keeping It PG. Thanks, PG. Good to be here. Uh, well, so let's start with you and um, how and where you, you sort of grew up. Tell us a little bit about your, your childhood and that sort of circumstance. I'm a West Sider, uh, <laughs> a refugee from the parishes of the West Side of Cincinnati. Um, I, uh, single mother, raised five of us. My father died when uh, I was very young. My mother tells me that I always uh, would behave if she gave me a pencil or something uh, and I like to draw. So at an early age, this, uh, the reinforcement of being told, oh, you're going to be an artist sort of set me on a path. Um, I also uh, heard regularly, uh, my mother would hear regularly, Marie, you've got a football player there, which it took me years <laughs> to realize that's what you say when you have a fat kid. So I, I did play football in high school a few years. Which, but, because this is a, a you know audio medium, Jerry, for those who haven't met him in person and for our, our listeners beyond the bounds of Cincinnati, Jerry is very tall and pretty slender, so that's not the, that's not the body type we I, would guess. I was... Uh, I was a heavier set as a kid. I am exactly two meters tall for our <laughs> international audience. And how how old were you when when your father passed away? I was about four, four and a half. So do you have Do you have much memory of him? Yeah, or? I do. You know, it's all very uh, positive. Uh, when you're uh, when a parent dies at a young age, and you hear about him or her from the survivor, uh, you know, you create a heroic uh, sense of that parent. So it's it's. Uh, Obviously, was uh, not a good thing. It, it, it was certainly a challenge uh, to the economics of the family. But it, it uh, you know, my first hero is my father. And then, in terms of you, obviously, it was a relatively big family. I mean, yep. at least by today's standards, sure. most people it seems like these days are having two kids. Maybe right. a generation prior was four yep. or five or eight. What, what, I was sort of the was it a raucous household or? Well, uh, the story gets more complicated. It was a blended family. Uh, my mother was pregnant with her second child when her husband took off, and my father's uh, first wife died as a complication of childbirth, uh, giving birth to my half-sister. So uh, we were brought together as a family, two from each parent, and then I was the product. So a very of Brady Bunch-esque. Yeah, <laughs> but you know we're a very tight family, so right. you know it's a, it's a tribute to my mother that because uh, uh, they were only married about five years. Uh, when my father died, but she said, no, we're going to keep the kids together. So you, you mentioned, you know, uh, a pencil was put in your hand early, but also yeah. maybe you were a potential football aspirant or not. I mean, did you, how, how creative, artistic, visually inclined would 13-year-old Jerry have, have known that he was or? 
Well, you, you, you arrive at these decision points in life, and it, I was doing everything I could at LaSalle High School, uh, drawing a cartoon strip, designing the sets <laughs> for the plays, uh, involved with every sort of visual expression uh, I could uh, get my hands on, and there was a point where I had to choose between football and doing the other thing. So I, uh, one of the more difficult conversations probably in my entire life, and certainly in my young life, was to tell the football coach that his six foot six, two hundred forty pound sophomore wasn't coming back for the junior year because uh, he was leaving for the cartoon strip. Yes, yeah, and. Uh, he, he was not happy. I, I wasn't very good. I don't want to leave the impression that I was good. But I could move the seven-man sled by myself, which Coach Rosso had never seen anybody do. So I guess I had the strength, but didn't have the... Uh, so I'm actually a little bit more intrigued by the cartoon strip. So how, what was it? Was it sort of serialized and the same uh, thing over yeah, time? Yeah, it was, you know, probably... Uh, it was called The Ace, and it was sort of a high school kid... Uh, meandering through life, um, sort of the vernacular of the times were these counterculture uh, cartoon strips uh, and mag uh, things that you would buy at head shops, and it was that sort of uh, sensibility. And uh, Christian Brothers uh, never quite caught on to what uh, my double entendres, and uh, <laughs> so it was very popular. It still is. I still bump into high school classmates. Did it did it outlive you, or when your hand graduated? Uh, it, it ended with my. Uh, my high school years, but it lives on in the memory of people who were there at that time. <laughs> it's a talent. So after, after high, well, I guess by what point did you think that brand design, brand creation, and I don't know how the, the lexicon has yeah. evolved over the years, yeah. but what was your path into that? Well, I mean, I wanted, I liked drawing cartoon strips and I really wanted to be a cartoonist. And, uh, uh, going to the University of Cincinnati was an economic imperative. It wasn't really anything more uh, uh, thought out than that. Right. And uh, I knew that I wanted to be a commercial artist uh, rather than a starving artist. <laughs> and uh, the program is called graphic design. I think that term was introduced to me. And it, it as we all know, it's a world-class program. So I really uh, fell in love with... Uh, graphic expression in a much broader uh, sense than I, I had understood as a high school kid. And then I'm also uh, a big believer in the cooperative education right. experience. Um, I managed to, to get to London on a, a double session and that changed my world. I saw a big world. Uh, classmate of mine. Had you seen much of the world before that? Uh, well, the year before, uh, after studying art history, uh, uh, two of us backpacked around Europe and saw all the great museums of Europe. So my, I had that one taste, which was uh, I wanted more. And uh, so I ended up uh, working in London, uh, and, and it was a transformative experience. What, what are some of the biggest memories in terms of how it just, you know, was formative and shaped you? Well, I mean, just learning there's more than one way to live your life, right. you know, that just going through the, uh, the, the protocols of your day and how you, uh, what you value. Uh, I, I'm still quite an Anglophile. We have an office in, in London and, uh, I'm, I'm still very fond of British culture, British humor. I would have brought tea to the podcast, Jerry, had I known. <laughs> well, I haven't, haven't adopted uh, that <laughs> British trait, but uh, uh, it's, it's, it's a fabulous uh, place, and I loved it, and uh, uh, it opened me up to uh, 
wanting to see more of the world. So I learned graphic design and then um, along the way uh, started to think about branding as, a, as an idea and I, I claim I sort of grew up with the idea of branding. I think uh, people use the term uh, branding much more uh, uh, regularly today. It's become a big idea. But when did it come Congress. to mean what it does today? I, 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 you know, I'd say over the last 40 years, the consumer goods world understood the concept of branding for a very long time. Procter & Gamble invented brand management, the idea that you would organize your business at the brand level rather than at the corporate level. Right. Um, so that is an important fact and fortuitously uh, growing up in this city was helpful. But the, it sort of expanded beyond consumer goods. Consumer goods, uh, were we procure them in what uh, is called self-select selling environments. We go in, we pick it off the shelf ourselves rather than an attended sale right. and buying a car or even uh, getting your uh, skin It's a direct product. connection. Right? Yeah, exactly. And, and so visual expression matters. The logo, you know, pop off the shelf is a, a term that people uh, use. So design is particularly important to brands and branding is particularly important to consumer goods. But during my lifetime, we've seen, uh, you know, everything, every every manner of goods and services in our lives think about themselves as brands. Countries think of themselves as brands. Right. Tony Blair famously said he wanted to reposition Britain from rule, rule Britannia to cool Britannia, which is a good <laughs> example of a brand reinvention. Um, politicians, uh, stars, uh, entertainment stars, sports celebrities. Sure, they, sure. Sometimes they talk about themselves in the third person as a brand, which is a, an interesting concept. So branding is a big idea. Now, with social media and with the complexity of our lives uh, and just the, the role of procuring goods and services uh, online, uh, branding has just continued to become more and more important. So I was bequeathed this world of graphic design and then the world of branding. So I, I feel like uh, I had the right interests and came along at the right time. And, and also the digitization of commerce, which I right. said, and also the globalization of commerce. So suddenly brands were interested in multiple regions or even global uh, uh, franchises. So suddenly uh, a brand uh, needed to have a presence uh, in uh, Europe and Asia and Latin America and not just here in North America. And American brands tend to dominate in the consumer goods world, right. so uh, again, I was well placed. Well, I, I want to come back to the empire that you've built at LPK, but, but before one more thing from your childhood, you know, it sounds actually pretty precocious for someone at a youthful age saying, "I want to be a commercial artist rather than I want to be a starving artist," because <laughs> I think most young people don't necessarily think about the starving part, right. but they say, right. "I'm going to write great novels," yep. or yeah. "I'm going to be, you know, a star yeah. on the on the right. big screen." Yeah. Um, how much of that impulse came from, you know, maybe a, a more strained financial upbringing? Yeah, I, I would say that certainly uh, mattered. Right. Um, I was, you know, aware of uh, the fragile economics of our family. I, I wanted to be a cartoonist, as I said, so I wasn't that <laughs> clever. I had uh, there, if, if Jim I, Borgman wasn't sweating, his, <laughs> no. or the New Yorker wasn't calling. <laughs> no, exactly, <laughs> get your thirty-five dollars for a, right, a yeah. New Yorker cartoon. I <laughs> uh, wouldn't have. I uh, would have ended up a starving commercial artist, <laughs> as, uh, where that that story would have ended. 
So is, um, you know, I mentioned a little bit uh, at the outset, LPK, you know, I mean, a, a national leader, offices around the world, but I guess give us, give us a little bit of the propaganda on LPK and then kind of talk about how you got started here and, and you know, what it, what it has been grown into. Well, as I said, we, I sort of, uh, things, I had the wind at my back on some issues, the, uh, the rise of branding, the importance of design to branding, the globalization of brands. Those are all things that unfolded during my career. Now, you know, we, we were able to exploit those trends successfully. Others had the same set of uh, opportunities that, that we at LPK had, and we did manage to, uh, to build quite a business. Uh, we, uh, first of all, were traveling with brands, not necessarily having offices. Uh, did a major uh, global uh, branding assignment with Microsoft and the team from Redmond and LPK, we, we literally circled the globe, going to London, Paris, mm. uh, Munich, Tokyo, back LA and back to uh, Cincinnati. So we had a lot of global experience before we actually built offices. And there, there was a lot of discussion about whether you needed offices around the world. You needed them in an analog world, but in the digital world, did you really need to be there? Well, it turns out the work is not about great visual expression. It's about consumer insight. So our ability to visit uh, people in homes and watch uh, right. how a family approaches uh, parenting in Bangkok or Mexico City or how a, a woman approaches her beauty regimen in, in Moscow or Tokyo or Cairo or, or Dubai for that matter and, and see the cultural uh, influences and other influences in how we approach our lives. Uh, so And then also understanding selling environments around the world. And retailers were were growing at the same time these consumer goods multinationals were growing. So you have the Walmarts and the Carrefours and the Tescos and the Metros sort of taking over and big box stores replacing right. high street stores around the world. So uh, your, your customer, your client base has been, you know, as a who's who of, of you know, corporate, uh, you know, global behemoth. Yep. Mention a few before I uh, launch into my next question. Well, in the consumer goods world, um, we work with the likes of Kellogg's and Anheuser-Busch and uh, Procter and Gamble, of course, right. in town and, and Kroger's. Um, so both with retailers who are who are launching own brands or store brands, and the uh, the uh, consumer goods companies that tend to be uh, the Europeans have a term called fast-moving consumer goods. We don't have a good term here in North America. That means things you procure every week. So right. You're, your salted snacks, your coffee, your hair care products, uh, your, your diapers, those kinds of things that, that you pick up uh, regularly. That, that's really the sweet spot for LPK. And so uh, once you have a reputation and you're working on these billion dollar brands that, that show up in different regions, uh, then that can lead to more work. You're, you're a credible uh, choice in those, those categories. Well, I- well, I was just say I, I come to this with with high interest, but certainly mm-hmm. a layman's knowledge. Yeah. Walk me and people uh, who also lack my expertise through, I guess, some version of the process. When you know whether it's a, a billion dollar company or maybe a smaller outfit, they basically come and say, "Jerry, help. Yeah. We, we need a brand, yeah. or we need our brand overhaul." Like, well, what are some of the sort of key milestones along that process? Well, it's certainly um, the process begins by understanding the issue, uh, understanding the opportunity or the challenge. Um, 
it's it's rather humbling. You know, we 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 read a lot about you know these uh, powerful companies that manipulate us uh, into buying things we don't need or want, but it's really quite the opposite. It's rather remarkable <laughs> when you walk into a supermarket. Are the consumers you, coercing the companies? Yeah, into <laughs> I mean, it, we they are desperately trying to understand what we want right. and understand uh, the sociocultural changes. So. Not only are we going about buying products differently than our parents, we're, we're going about buying products differently than we did three or four years ago. So our value system around uh, uh, green sensibility or you know changing taste profiles, right. uh, small batch beer replacing big beer, uh, you know that's a big challenge to our client Anheuser Busch, sure. uh, Kellogg's, you know number one cereal company in the world. Um, we work with them up in Michigan, we work with them in Dublin, we work with them in, in Singapore. Globally, consumers aren't necessarily uh, starting their day with cereal like they did five or ten years ago. So we're Just as one aside, what, what are they eating instead? I'm still well, a cereal guy. Well, um, good for you. Keep it going. Um, in hand, uh, you know, breakfast bars okay, right. and things like that. So. Uh, the uh, companies like Kellogg's are trying to figure out what you want in the morning and also um, build other uh, snacking occasions as, right. as the term is used in the industry. So it's not a surprise that uh, when Procter & Gamble decided to offload Pringles that Kellogg's bought it. Right. So we, we've, we've been working with Pringles for a long time and we continue to work with them. And it's a billion dollar brand. It's a marvelous uh, uh, brand with deep roots in different regions, the stuff we do. I mean, we do, uh, not surprisingly, uh, things like uh, holiday, uh, uh, Halloween, those kinds of right. American or Western European holidays, but we do Ramadan chips, we do Chinese <laughs> New Year's chips. Oh, for Pringles. We, yeah. yeah, and we do, uh, you know, uh, soccer, uh, football in Europe. I mean, we do English League commemorative, uh, we do Russian League, German League, uh, uh, we give out uh, samples at Wimbledon because the the Pringles uh, I, carton looks like a, like a tennis ball. When, when, when someone's brand, I guess, needs your expertise and your services, is it usually because it's misaligned with its audience? It, that it's it's just grown stale over time? Like, what are what are the sort of you know, the flaws of a yeah. brand that cause it to need your resuscitation? All of the above. Um, it, it can be a, a disruption by a competitor right. that they need to react to. It could be that they want to grow uh, geographically, uh, enter a new region. It can be, again, uh, with Pringles, we have chicken flavored, shrimp flavored, uh, flavors in, in Asia. You're making so me hungry, it sounds yeah. delicious. So, uh, <laughs> so it's kind of figuring out what we as fickle uh, purchasers of these products, what we want. Um, so we, we do an analysis and we sort of understand the consumer, understand the, the uh, technical issues, manufacturing capabilities and so forth, what can you do, what can't you do, uh, and how big the prize is. So uh, we want to make sure that we've got big ideas with uh, lots of uh, potential uh, scale involved. Right. And then uh, talking to consumers, observing. As I said, we go to their homes because we see how people approach uh, these issues in their lives. And, and what I really enjoy is through doing this for decades, I, I learn a little bit about what it's like to be a parent, what it's like to, mm. uh, why we care for our garden, why we care for our apparel, how we reward ourselves with sweet snacks, salted snacks, mm. what it's like to be a man, what it's like to be a woman through a lot of the work uh, 
we do uh, in the beauty business and the femcare business. And do those just because you've mentioned so many things, and I realize LPK sweet spot has often been. Uh, you know, brand design work around things that are part of our daily lives. Yeah. Is that ever disruptive to you navigating your daily life or is it all I'm doing is putting a chip in my mouth but you might be thinking, God, you know, if I were a woman eating this chip or if I lived in China eating yeah. this chip. No, I mean, it's, it's fun. I mean, one of the rewards of this business is uh, the ubiquity of the work once we've done the work. Right. So you walk into, you know, a park in Rome or a train station in Osaka and there's there's your Pringles can, right, so that's, right. that's kind of fun. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I would... <laughs> Does I would it put you in like hyper-analytical mode all the time? Or? Yes, and I would also <laughs> caution that if you ask me my opinion of uh, the viability of an idea, uh, I don't know that I got it right more often than <laughs> wrong. So we, 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 uh, we go into it with the assumption that our, our client is, makes a great product, and uh, we do all we can to make sure that it's as attractive uh, for trial yeah. as can. I think the story of LPK would suggest you've gotten it right a lot, lot, lot more often than you've gotten it wrong. And this is probably a, a little bit like you know asking you which child is your favorite sort of thing. But is there a particular brand or, or a scenario with a particular brand that really springs out as being one of your favorites to work with or proudest of the outcome? Yeah. Uh, well, I will say, I don't know, uh, as I said, all of these things that I've listed, they're little slices of the human condition, and in the aggregate, you sort of get a sense of uh, w what motivates us as, as human beings. Uh, like Pampers was a wonderful experience to learn that, you know, parents and babies, uh, that's sort of the same around the world, so whether you're sitting in a focus group in, in Thailand or... or uh, Brazil, you're, you're kind of hearing the same thing. So it's it's actually comforted me as uh, one who lives on this earth with seven billion others that were more alike than different. Yeah, we forget that. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And then going beyond of brands that haven't had the wisdom to uh, use LPK's talents, is there a brand out there right now that in terms of you know what a brand is supposed to be, connectivity, a, a meaningful connection? with obviously in your universe a consumer but mm -hmm. you know not is, is there a brand out there that you would say that it's, that's the gold standard well interestingly i would have given you a different answer at different times and i don't know that uh, certainly many of the brands are under assault you know smoking marlboro was right. the most powerful brand in the world coca-cola right which you know now uh <clears throat> As lifestyle is, things change, yeah. yeah so that's you know, sugar is the new tobacco, is what right. uh, what people are saying. So a lot of the uh, brands that seemed impenetrable uh, are under assault as we uh, think about wellness differently, or we think about value differently. Uh, so I, 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 I don't. I'm not going to answer your question. I'll answer a, uh, another question. Like, <laughs> like a Who's the politician, politician here? Yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> but what I do like, the older I get, is I admire companies like Procter and Gamble and GE and others that have been around a long Staying time power, and they yeah. figured this stuff out and they figured it out time and time again. Yeah. So I love startups. <laughs> I love new to the world ideas, and I love the the exhilaration of uh, an Uber or you know. Uh, a smartphone that enters our lives and, and the, the company's response. But call me in 70 years. Yeah, sort of thing. And, yeah. and what, you know, figure it out repeatedly. Yeah. And, and to see a company like GE sort of with a nice Cincinnati kid running it uh, yeah. is very validating.
I, I, since uh, given your long partnership between LPK and PNG, I don't think you'll mind my paying them a compliment. But I know there's some statistic out there, and I don't know if it's companies that were in the Fortune 10 or the Fortune 20. But of the companies that were in the Fortune 20, let's say 60 years ago, right. um, you know, like only a couple, or no, I think it was the Fortune 50. Of the That's Fortune right. 50, yeah. 50 years ago, right. only five have stayed in That's it, right. and PNG's one exactly. of them. It's a real no, testament. It's it's, a, it's it's an amazing company, and they. They invented brand management. They invented consumer research. Uh, so much that we take for granted in our modern world, uh, and not to mention their uh, research and development prowess and their, and their renowned marketing ability. They really are an amazing company, and it was a real privilege to, uh, to spend uh, time uh, seeing how they think and how they uh, develop ideas and how they execute with yeah. excellence. The importance of executing with excellence is certainly uh, something you learn at Procter & Gamble. We, we had uh, Ted Torbeck, the CEO of Cincinnati Bell on Keeping It PG uh, yeah. not too long ago. I asked him the same question. Uh, advice, you just recently stepped down as the CEO of LPK. What advice would you give to current CEOs trying to you know maximize their effectiveness or to future CEOs? Well, um, I... I can tell you how to manage a creative workforce. Um, I, I think uh, having an environment where ideas are safe and nurtured is sort of the, the essence of uh, running uh, a creative consultancy and probably any sort of company. Uh, it's, it's about environment. It's about workforce. Uh, Does that mean giving people the space to fail also? Yeah. Or, yeah. I mean, or at it, least yeah. have bad ideas that don't always hit the mark. Well... The, the nature of our work is lots of prototyping and just de facto uh, most ideas uh, fail in the process uh, to get to that best idea. So if you're designing posters or menu covers for a living, everything you do is published. But, you know, there might be 500 copies. If you're working on a, a brand like Kellogg's or uh, Pampers, you know, the, the likelihood of seeing your work, quote, published uh, is, is not uh, something you can count on. So the, the system sort of is inherently based on failure. But the, the designing uh, process is about rapid prototyping, constant improvements. So it's not failure uh, in, in the worst sense of that word. But you certainly get used to rejection. <laughs> Selling the client, uh, the consumer rejecting the idea that you and your client love, uh, you know, it, it can be a humbling experience. It can be exhilarating when you have an idea and the world rewards it. There are some political analogies. You've been, you know, Catherine 2020, yeah. you seem well-trained. Yeah. Anything looking back on, um, you know, it's obviously, it hasn't been too long, but your time uh, in the corner office uh, at the, the head of the helm of the ship that surprised you about the role of CEO? Well, I, I tell young designers, uh, I went to design school to avoid math, uh, public speaking, and writing, and I've spent 40 years writing, right. dealing with math, and, and speaking in public. So don't assume uh, you can avoid the things you think you don't like, and I might add, I've discovered I like these things, and also uh, my life would suggest that uh, you will spend most of your career doing things that don't even exist right now doing them in, in ways that don't exist yeah. right now. It's a good reminder to all of us. Yeah, so, you know, growing up in the analog world, my my uh, small motor skills matter as much, if not more, than my 
my visual acuity or my ability to think uh, about visual learning, but really those are the things that guided my career. Yeah. One, what, one, one Cincinnati specific question and then we're going to do a quick lightning round here with Jerry Kathman, the current chairman of LPK and former CEO here. And you and I have talked about this offline a little bit. Cincinnati uh, has a lot of assets, a lot of history. It's a great city. We are branding things in this city that you will find in you know any aisle, any store all across the world. So there's a little bit of an irony that I think you and I maybe agree. We have perhaps underbranded or undersold or undertold the story of our own city. What do you sort of make of that? Yeah, I, I would say uh, we're getting over that, maybe. I would agree I, with that, too. I think we suddenly are feeling good about it. You and I are trying to lead the cheerleading yeah, team on yeah. that front. And, and we, uh, the quality of life here is being validated by one survey after another. Sure, yeah. Um, and for those of us uh, in the branding field, we, we are the... Uh, the place uh, that you can claim is really, as we've called it, the brand hub, the place where brands are birthed or burnished, and lots of great brands came out of our great uh, companies here, manufacturers and merchants like Macy's and uh, Kroger and P&G, and then the consultancies in this city are, are working with uh, some of the best, most successful companies in the world too. So. I think it's an idea that, that we need to talk about more. It's a business narrative. It's not a quality of life narrative, but it's, it's, it's fun. People like brands. They like to talk about brands. It's an interesting topic. Uh, you know, it's, it's sexier than to say we're a distribution center right, or yeah. a, a commodities exchange. So it's, uh, it's not as glamorous as entertainment or music uh, as it's associated with Southern California or Nashville, but it's it's a pretty good topic, and we need to talk more about it. Well, and I, w- I would agree with you. I mean, I spend a lot of the time, a lot of my time, thinking about the city's brand, and I agree with you. We're getting better at telling our story, yeah. and I think, frankly, the story is becoming a better one to tell. That's but right. That's right. Um, just given the the innate skill set, sort of in our industry that exists here, I do wonder if it's a place where civically we've underperformed. But I think the, the trend line's in the right direction. Yeah, and you know, the the cobblers' kids go barefoot, and uh, <laughs> so it's uh, it's overdue. But I think we're well. I know we. Uh, in fact, LPK is working with Source Cincinnati. Right. You know, we're on that journey, and a lot of interesting ideas are, are being surfaced, and I think uh, we'll have a remedy for that uh, soon. All right, quick lightning round, four questions, uh, you know, 10 to 20-second answers. You're a very stylish guy, for those who know you in person. Uh, what's your favorite outfit to wear? Oh, boy. Uh, well, in my new role, uh, I mean, I was sort of, be- being a large person, I decided <laughs> to wear dark suits and not plaids and things. I don't need to draw more attention to myself. So that that sort of led me to muted colors and dark colors. Uh, uh, and I guess I continue with that. I can wear black jeans now rather than a, a suit on uh, on certain days. So, you, you, so you've displayed good brand consistency. Yeah, then. exactly. Yeah. And, and you know, that... That has been a challenge because we were the the flaky artists in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and then we tried to dress more like business people, <laughs> and now business people have dressing more like yeah, yeah, so, exactly. So I I do I did have to get up every day and think about where I will be that day and what I need to. To, uh, how I need to present myself, which is something I didn't worry about earlier in my career. But best advice you've ever been given. Uh, um, well, it's, it's along the lines of staying curious. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that really uh, 
is the ultimate uh, driver uh, to to be fascinated by something. In my case, the human condition, and uh, and wake up every day excited about learning something is. Uh, is the basis for, for a great career. Yeah. Your favorite restaurant in Cincinnati and your favorite restaurant someplace else in the world? Oh boy. Um, well, I don't know. Uh, it would be a, a Jean Robert property. Um, <laughs> so I will be tonight at his table. And, uh, Delicious, great good, spot. Yeah. That's as good a choice as any. Indeed. Agreed. Uh, I could... Uh, I could confuse everybody and say Rutt's Hut in Passaic, New Jersey, where my wife is <laughs> I haven't from. been there. It's, uh, it's sort of a North Jersey icon. Uh, is, it, uh, is it like a greasy dive? Yeah, it's, or? A, it's a dive, and they, they deep fry hot dogs, and it looks exactly like it did in 1930. It's off Route 3. Rutt's Hut it is. All and right. I, I call it Hut's Rutt because we go there every time. We're <laughs> I, I might make a detour just to get up there. La- last question, lightning round. Uh, person from history that you're most fascinated by? Hmm. Well, uh, I guess not uh, not a classic answer, but uh, my hero is Woody Guthrie and uh, his Great ability answer. to uh, tell us things that we needed to hear, not necessarily things we wanted to hear. He sort of invented that as as a as a craft. Uh, Bob Dylan and many have followed but uh, I've, I've been a student of Woody Guthrie's uh, my whole life and it's, it's been a, a, a re- very rewarding uh, uh, investigation for me. That's a great choice. Well, Jerry Kathman, thank you so much for joining us today. That will do it for today's episode of Keeping It PG. You can find our podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes. You can keep up with me on Twitter, handles at PG Sittenfeld. Thanks for listening. We will talk to everyone soon. Bye.